Will the Florida State Seminoles land five-star safety? Zaquan Patterson. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back in, everyone. I am Brian Smith, your host here at Locked On Seminoles. Thanks for making this podcast your first listen each and every day. You can find us wherever podcasts are available and on YouTube, your team every day on the Locked On Network. All right, let's talk a little bit of of recruiting here. This is my favorite thing, and I talked about that in the first episode I did. This is going to be a recruiting-centric podcast. But there happens to be some really important information getting ready to come about. And that is Zaquan Patterson, the five-star safety out of Shamanan Madonna in Broward County down in South Florida. He is narrowing it down and rumored to be making a decision rather soon. I've spoken to multiple people in the last couple hours going into this podcast prior to it being published. Sentiment around Florida State is pretty high. Uh, One person on the Miami side even thinks Florida State is pretty high. And going into this month, if I had to pick, like on August 1st, give or take, I would have said Miami. From what I've heard here recently, things have completely changed, and it's a little more wild and wooly, the Knowles being one of those teams. Now, we'll get into more about that as the podcast goes on, but here are a couple backdrops about him. This, This is a young man that I've seen play several times. Note each of the following points. Number one, he has offers from pretty much everybody. That's just a fact. Zaquan was a kid that was on the scene by his sophomore year. He'd started picking up quite a few offers. By the end of his junior year, he had improved tremendously. The offer list continued to grow. And by the end of this spring, it was just completely unhinged and he could pretty much pick his school. Now the final five, just for the sake of argument, in any particular order, Auburn, Miami, Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, however you want to arrange them. I'm just going to give you what I have heard in the scuttlebutt. Take it for whatever it's worth, because especially in the state of Florida and even more so in South Florida, recruiting can change at the drop of a hat. In the NIL era, you're darn right that impacts things as well. So here's what I know. Miami has made him a major priority. So has Florida State. You would assume so, you know, in-state programs. That's not the question here. The question is whether or not he wants to venture out because he's got Auburn on his list. He's got Ohio State and he has Michigan. Obviously, three programs worth their salt in recruiting and Ohio State in particular has done a tremendous job, not just good, a tremendous job of recruiting South Florida. And they have a commitment from his teammate, Jeremiah Smith, who I think personally is the number one player in the country. He recently visited Florida State as well. We'll talk more about Jeremiah coming up on another podcast. But for now, just note that everybody's involved. There, are, To my knowledge, nobody is quote-unquote out from that list of five. But there is something very unique here. Note that I said Miami would have been my pick for him early August. Well, Miami also just recently offered a South Florida DB right down the road from him out of the blue. Now it's a kid that's got some offers and whatnot, but I hadn't heard any buzz about him 
with Miami. He gets the offer. Why would you offer another safety while you know Zaquan's decision is pending? Just doing the basic due diligence? That doesn't really add up. So something's going on there. My guess is it's an insurance plan. Maybe that's not a committable offer. Again, this is recruiting in South Florida. There are a gazillion moving parts, but Mario Cristobal and his staff do a really good job and they've built really good relationships throughout Broward and Dade. They know the landscape. If they're offering safeties and Zaquan hasn't decided yet, that makes me very cautious with Miami. So my pick that I would have had early August, I'm backing off of that right now. I think it's more, let's just play the field and see what's going on. But that leads into the next point. The other team that I heard that is hot with him is Michigan. Now, why would Michigan be there? Well, one, their defense is really good. You got to give the Wolverines credit. And they've recruited South Florida, American Heritage Plantation, et cetera. Some of these areas very well. And Chris Ewald, a 2025 DB from, you guessed it, Shamanan Madonna, is committed to the Wolverines. So they have connections into that staff. So are the Wolverines to pick? They could be. But that goes back to another point. NIL. Michigan does NIL, but they probably don't do it quite as much as some other schools. Florida State's kind of in that ballpark, too, depending on the player. And I've been told different things. I'm not an expert on this, and I don't know if anybody is in the media. It's different for each kid in some capacity, whether or not they're going to get a bigger amount or it's a quarterback or however that works for every school. It's something different, and this is constantly changing. But to my knowledge, from what I know about Michigan, I don't think they have a huge package for NIL. Could they make an exception for a five-star DB like Zaquan? If they do, that could be his landing spot. Now, here's the other thing. Auburn is huge on NIL. Huge. They just have been trending with a lot of kids. And I'm hearing they're, they're going to get some really good players like Camarion Franklin, et cetera, with NIL being a heavy part of that. If he wants that, he could end up at Auburn. Very, very well could end up at Auburn. We have Ohio State. We just mentioned Jeremiah Smith is going there. But I mean, I've talked to Jeremiah numerous times. He's told me he was picking Ohio State based on the offense and what they've done with receivers, which I get. He's probably going to get something from NIL. And if Zaquan goes there, I would assume it would be the same. So that leaves the Seminoles. For what I've heard, it's kind of the happy medium. And from talking to a couple of people around the Chaminade program, they're very kosher with Florida State. Uh, it's not surprising, again, that it's an in-state program. But to put it in perspective, another Chaminade player, yet again, Josiah Jojo Trader, a lot of us thought before he picked Miami, just completely random out of the blue one day, that he was going to go to Florida State. I don't know if that's going to change, but I can tell you this much, and I'll get into JoJo at another podcast as well. He is going to take a Florida State visit this fall. Just as a pre prerequisite here, he hasn't taken any of his visits, so the Knowles are going to be in, in shape to convince him to flip from arch rival Miami. So there's so many moving parts here. It's one of the most fascinating recruitments in all of the 2024 class. I happen to know all the Chaminade kids. I know a lot of the South Florida programs, Damon, the head coach, and all those guys do a great job. But Norvell and his staff are at least in position. So that leads to the final point about this. Zaquan Patterson 
is rumored to make his decision soon. To my knowledge, it hasn't been announced formally how he's going to announce, where he's going to announce, which team it definitely is. I've just heard Florida State is at the top right now with his list among a couple of schools. We'll see. That changes depending on the person I talk to. But if they get him, here's the reason this is important. Think about their recruiting class right now and who they have. Charles Lester, borderline five-star, depending on who you talk to, at a corner spot. You have K.J. Bolden, a consensus five-star out of Buford, Georgia, big-time player at safety. He's coming in as well. You have two other kids that are really good. Ricky Knight, another South Florida kid at Cardinal Newman. I've seen him play, very talented corner. And then you also have Mr. C.J. Hurd up in Atlanta. Not even that many people talk about him, and he's got like, offers from all kinds of programs, Florida state, obviously included, but Texas is offering when Texas offers an Atlanta kid. He's good. His offer list has Michigan on it, et cetera. He, he's a really good football player. He's got a ton of Southern offers too. This could be one of the best Florida state defensive back classes you're going to see in recent memory. And quite frankly, one of the best DB classes in the last several years too, if they add Zaquan to it. It's pretty good anyway. I mean, it's got two borderline five-star, if not five-star players. Zaquan would be a third. That would just be a no-doubter. So you could make an argument it's the best position group regardless of position in the country headed to Tallahassee. So please keep in mind that this is a very big deal. Not only could you take it away from your rival, you could also be getting a situation where it's going to work out well for you in regards to something else, and that's just having a dominant back end. We're going to get into that in, in segment two here in just a moment, but also note this is a very big deal because Florida State, when they were good, they were really good in the secondary. For history, we wore Butler, et cetera. I'm going to talk about that in segment two. First off, eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay's guaranteed fit you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know for the part will fit. eBay Motors, please check them out. Everybody uh, note that this is one of our title sponsors and we greatly appreciate their help. Um, if we're really looking at Florida State historically here, think about all the things that come with Florida State's tradition at DB. It starts at Deion Sanders. That's the no-brainer. But when you look at Florida State and what they can do long-term again, based on where they're at in recruiting, this is my segment two that's just perfect fit for this. With the way they're recruiting with Zaquan, et cetera, think about these players, Terrell Buckley, Deion Sanders, Leroy Butler, Corey Sawyer, Antonio Cromartie. The list is pretty darn lengthy. When they started getting great players in the mid-80s, like consistently, this is when I was a youth and just started watching for I'm like, holy cow. I remember Leroy Butler making the fumble Ruski or the punt Ruski play against Clemson. I remember, what, I remember exactly where I was. He was a DB that Bobby Bowden trusted on special teams. Obviously, Bobby was a very big proponent of excellent special teams work and blocking punts, et cetera. And that play is one of the most famous in Florida State history, that's a great way to win games right there. But they always had DBs to do it. Dion could return a punt. 
all the teams that kicked the ball to him probably still disappointed in their decision. And there are other guys too. If Florida State wants to get back to those kind of winning ways, and obviously they're a top 10 team this year in 2023, they've got to do it the way they've always done it. This state is loaded with DB talent. It's loaded. Dion is from North Fort Myers High School. Cromartie is from Tallahassee. Leroy Butler is from Jacksonville. They've got players from all over the state of Florida. And there's nothing wrong going to get K.J. Bolden from Buford either. But this is how you win championships in today's college football, especially. Florida State was the upstart, if you will, in 92. And I remember this game too. Charlie Ward and the Knowles were playing pretty mediocre and being kind in a game at Georgia Tech. And they just started running four verts. Bowden talked about it once. They can't stop it. Just keep running it. And they made a great comeback. That was the beginning of the fast break offense, if you will, that ended up leading Florida State into that great 93 season and ended up with Bobby's first ring. If you're going to get into that, you still got to stop teams because now everybody runs in some capacity a big-time offense. It doesn't have to be anything specific, but just think of it this way. Name a team in college football that's not one of the academies that can't have a game where they pass the football on you. You know, outside of like the three and nine team at the bottom of each conference, everybody's got a quarterback they can throw. If you do not have DB play, you're going nowhere, brother. Nowhere. So like this year, Florida State's got a pretty experienced secondary. And I'll talk about that in the third segment and, and back this up with just like how important it is statistically. Because every day I'm going to talk about the LSU game that's coming up. It's obviously a huge game. Every day, the third segment will be about the LSU Tigers playing the Florida State Seminoles. Little tease there, but if they're going to get back to that, guys this year need to do it, and then they need to start stacking depth. What what did Florida State do in the 80s and the 90s that separated them from almost everybody? It was recruiting, and it was really at DB. They rarely lost the guy they had to have. And again, right now, they came from behind. They got KJ. They went out and they surprised some people with a guy like Herb, Knight, Lester. There were rumblings on all those kids going somewhere else. Give Norvell and his staff credit. They've lined it up. If they get Patterson and they can get back to that, this year's unit's pretty good in the back end. But starting in 24, if you bring in this group, again, if you bring Patterson too, it's, an, it's insane. They could start rotating guys like Bowden did in the 90s. Like that 93 unit, If for those of you that were live, watch that game against Notre Dame, against uh, Nebraska, against Florida, et cetera. Any of those games, they just rotated guys in and out. It was crazy. They had NFL talent all over the field. That's why they were so good. It's not just being good in the starting lineup. And it's one of the reasons I still have a little bit of pause this year about the 23 Knowles. I need to see how the backups do it. I'm not saying they're 93 Florida State again. That, let's pump the brakes there. We got We got to see it. But if you can add this class and everybody sticks and they add Zaquan, all of a sudden Florida State's at the top of the board. That's an important note because if you really think about college football, Texas Tech, like they don't have anywhere near the talent that Texas does, but they always get Texas problems. This is one example. Mississippi State doesn't have anywhere near the talent that LSU does. They give them fits all the time. Why? They can throw the ball. If you look at the schedule this year for the Knowles, Teams that either they're going to play in the regular season or in the ACC title game like Clemson can throw it. North Carolina with Drake May can definitely throw it. NC State got the guy from Virginia that two years ago threw for over 4,000 yards. 
He transferred down to NC State, and the coordinator that was at Virginia is now at NC State. They could end up in the, in the ACC title game. Miami has Van Dyke back. They got Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator. He's very good at throwing the football. He was a part of those West Virginia offenses about 10 years ago. They just went ballistic. He was coordinator. They're going to face teams that can throw it, and that's going to be the norm in the ACC and across college football. That's why I'm so big on this being a major decision with Zaquan and their recruiting in general for Florida State. They have to continue to do this. You're not going to get back into that upper echelon each and every year unless you're hitting a home run a DB. It's especially corner, and I might as well make this statement now. It's the one spot where it's just, if you don't have a certain level of talent, only so much of coaching is going to matter. Your ability to backpedal and flip is one thing, but your ability to have makeup speed is another. I mean, there's some really specific niches, and that's why, like, at the NFL Combine, if, for those that know, like, when Deion Sanders went, he flew up to Indy, ran the 40 and smoked it, and got back on the plane and left. He didn't do anything else. He ended up going in the top five in the draft, and the rest is history. Speed matters. This unit can flat out go, and Zaquan is the rare safety that can really, really run, too. He's one of the few guys that can match up Jeremiah Smith in a one-on-one bump-and-run coverage situation in practice. So, anyway, keep that in mind because Florida State is on the cusp here, really flipping the program around on defense. And last year, to note that, they were a nationally really good defense against the pass, and part of it was pass rush. Let's give credit to the guys up front, too. Don't discount them at all. They can ball. But if you look at Florida State last year, I'm just going to pull this up. I think they were number four, I believe, nationally in in pass defense. And that deserves a lot of credit. So you think, well, we're on the right track here, Brian. And we are. Last year, this is really impressive. 165.4 is what they gave up. And this is what I'm going to go into a little bit in segment three. If they're anywhere close to that this year with another year of this offense, obviously, Jordan Travis and everybody there. We're going to do a whole dive in on Jordan Travis, the Heisman race and all of that in the upcoming podcast next week. But here are locked on Seminoles. And and thank you once again for making this your first listen every day. This is a key component. He gets the ball more. If your pass defense goes up, look, it is not good business for other teams when they got to face Jordan, even one more possession a game for that offensive line who has over 200 career starts. Incredible stat by Phil Steele. Thanks to him for bringing that up in his book this year. It's amazing how well they can do on offense anyway, but if you give them just that one more possession, Florida State could be a playoff team because there aren't many teams that have a quarterback like Jordan, an offensive line like that, and several running backs. That alone, and then you got multiple NFL receivers in yours truly's opinion. So, That's a lot of information, but it all starts for me with the defensive backfield. They were really good last year. They got to the quarterback. I think they can be a 40-sack team this year. They're going to score a lot, so teams are going to have to pass. They could be in that number again. But if they're going to get over the hump, the DB's got to do it this year to help secure recruiting for next year. It's just going to build on itself. It's great. Uh, Finally, Florida State is in that position to make another jump. So – With that note, um, please thank you very much once again for making the Locked On Podcast Network your home. Uh, Locked On Seminoles thanks you very, very much. I am very big on the 
everyday situation. I'm going to be here Monday through Friday for you. And I'm going to have a lot of bonus episodes, especially since this podcast just started. Then just focus on one key guy. It could be a player or it could be a recruit, more than likely recruit because there's so many kids to talk about because Norvell and his staff have done well. But let's, let's keep it locked on with locked on Seminoles. Final segment here, and this is one of my favorite things to discuss. How do you match up in what is, in my opinion, the biggest game and opening weekend? I talked a little bit about it in my first episode, and today is no different. We're looking at a situation where LSU has an experienced quarterback, Jaden Daniels. They've got a really talented group of running backs, a, a good blend. They have the ability to make plays on third downs. I talked about it in episode one. Jaden Daniels asked Nick Saban, got his butt kicked on third down, and Saban doesn't lose a lot of battles in defense. Let's be honest. Jaden made that happen. So Florida State has a lot of things going on. And to continue with the DB theme from segment one and segment two, I just want to talk a little bit about the corners for Florida State this year, at least briefly. They're going to need four or five guys to contribute. I'm just going to mention a couple, and the starting lineup could change, injuries, et cetera, but this is just the baseline and why Florida State can ascend to being a team that makes the playoffs this year, and it's not just offense. Let's, start, let's talk about this. Renardo Green started 12 games last year for the Knowles. Played at Wakaiva, not that far from where I live, on the north edge of Orlando. It's a very competitive area. They've always had a lot of players. That's not surprising he's from there. But when you have a 12-game starter back and it's a senior at corner, that's a good start. The other good news, and apparently everybody left Virginia, Mr. Cypress came down from Virginia to join the Knowles. He's a kid out of one of my favorite programs in the South. First prep football played at Northwestern in Rock Hill, South Carolina. That program's always got dudes. He comes over, so you got another senior. When you have not one, but two experienced guys that have got big playability, it changes what you do schematically. It changes what you do in terms of your game preparation, your rotation, et cetera. If you think about Florida State traditionally, once again, they almost always had at least some kind of I don't want to say just easy going, laid back guys, because that wouldn't be the case at all. They've they've done a lot of great things. They they won big with a lot of different players at corner and safety. I'm pretty sure that you're going to see Florida State have a couple of games with their shootout because it's college football today. Um, it's it's pretty interesting though because Florida State has the ability now to play more bump and run, be more aggressive, and with teams probably having to score a lot. You're talking about Green and Central Cyphos being right in the middle of all this. This is an opportunity for one of them who are both honorable mention, All-American kind of candidates last year. You're going to have probably four or five games where they're going to be in the middle of fire. Can Florida State get over the top with them? I think so. I love the experience at corner. It's one of the spots I hate seeing freshmen in a game, although talent can win out. But Florida State is also in game one against LSU, and that's what this is really down, down with here. Malik Neighbors, you're going to hear me say that name over and over and over again with Florida State versus LSU because that's their star from last year. Neighbors had over 1,000 yards receiving. Neighbors was a kid that was clutch on third downs. 
And Neighbors is a kid that can beat you with speed. He can beat you with routes. And he can beat you with physicality. If Florida State plays a lot of man, and part of that will be dependent upon what LSU decides to do with their bunch formations and how they use Neighbors. I'm I'm convinced they're going to move him around and make it really hard on Florida State, which that's par for the course, and that's why you play these games to test yourself. They've got a very good coaching staff down in Baton Rouge. I think we're going to see both of Cypress and also Green as well kind of follow him around. And what I mean by that is they're going to mix it up. I don't think it's going to be one guy or the other. And teams change whether they run left and right and boundary and field and all that. But if a guy gets hot with the DB, with the receiver, excuse me, sometimes they just let him go. I'm curious to see which one starts out on him or if they just literally go left and right this year for the game. You're only going to get so much information from fall camp, and there's been a lot of reports about it. If LSU can throw the ball consistently to neighbors, that running game is going to go crazy. And this is why it's important to note. In, in two of the games that LSU lost last year, these stats are really ridiculous. They gave up big numbers to the other team running the ball and or big plays, punt block, whatever. But against two of them, Tennessee and Georgia, they just couldn't run the ball. And when they couldn't run the ball, the turnovers and the, and the, the goof-ups happened and they got smoked. Both teams, I mean, I think Tennessee beat them by like 27 or something. Georgia beat them 50 to 30. It starts with the run game, but part of the reason that it did is those teams had corners that had really good days. They played their best against LSU's receivers, and then the front seven teed off on the running game. So if you're going to look at it from a situation of you have to make it happen, this is this is the situation for Florida State. Their corners have to be able to play at least some man, neighbors included, even though he's a future NFL player and probably after this year, and make it happen. If they do that, Florida State has an excellent chance to win this game. So with that, please note that uh, I'm just getting started here with this podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank you very much once again for making this your first listen every day. It's great. And uh, everybody have a wonderful day. I will be with you again on Monday. Take care, everybody.